Hello. We've been expecting you. I'd like to welcome you to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today we will be discussing the desert, a very special episode of Avatar. So, for today on my panel I have Charles. Hello, I'm back. He is. Corey. Yay. And welcome back a very special guest, I believe his third appearance on the show, Mitchell. Hello, always a pleasure to right? be on. Third? I think so. Maybe fourth. Okay, yes. Maybe fourth. Mitchell's here a lot. Mitchell's cool, but he's our he's our only so far international guest, so I know, right? That's pretty cool. Um, I bring an extra right. spice to the table. A little a, a little Brazilian spice, dare I say. <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, let's get ourselves into our initial thoughts here on the desert. Charles, you've been away for a while, so why don't you fill the airwaves with your lovely voice? Wait, I was on two weeks ago. <laughs> that's that's a while. Pe- do you know how realize how much people crave your voice? I, I don't. Charles, I feel like that's Charles, not the I case. Always, given I always crave your listening voice. Listening numbers. Speaking of which, <laughs> people that listen to our podcast, get get your friends to listen, please. We need it. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we need we need to get on we need to get on this to see if Charles's voice is is actually extremely attractive or not. It is. If it's not, we'll have to get a new a new Charles. Well, well, no, we already tried that and it didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> you could try it again. Second oh, time's no. a charm. Never. Um, again. all right. Th- this episode is actually very interesting to me. Um, it's got some a small bit of comedy. Uh, it this is like the first big thing we see with uh, Iroh and the White Lotus. You've gotten hints before, but this is like the most uh, overt example uh, to date. Um, we've got super pissy Aang, or I shouldn't say pissed Aang about losing Appa, and that's like dominates his emotional state throughout the episode, which is a really interesting contrast from well, pretty much Aang throughout the entire series up until this point. Because even when he's uh, facing the siege. Uh, at the end of season one or book one, it's not like raw anger. It's more, you know, obligation, sense of duty. Um, yeah. So it's a really interesting episode. I think I liked it, but I wouldn't say it was like exceptional. If I had to give it a rating, it'd probably be. Well, we'll do rating at the end. Yeah. It's like it's a good episode, but it wasn't outstanding in my opinion. Okay, uh, Corey, um, I'm gonna go out and say this, and I think this is the first time I'm going on record saying this. I don't like the concept of the Order of the White Lotus. Um, I don't at all. I don't yes. like. I don't yes. like the idea of a secret society that you know, the uh, Illuminati. I just not, especially not in something like Avatar. So, I guess, you know, as Charles said, seeing it in full swing here is kind of a turnoff for me. But on the flip side, I, I have never in my life flip-flopped on a, a feeling as much as I did with Aang. So, I, at first I hated Aang's reaction to everyone in the beginning of the episode. And then the more I thought about it and then actually rewatching it today, I actually love it. And I'll go deeper into it when we actually discuss the nitty-gritties of it. I agree with Charles where when this all averages out for me, this comes to a middle-of-the-road episode, and definitely it's not the most memorable episode for me in season two, 
but ultimately it's a very serviceable episode and, and you know keeps momentum going from the library. Okay. How about you, Mitchell? Well, I'm actually of the opposite opinion from Corey. I love the secret the, the secret society aspect behind it. I think it makes perfect sense, especially in this kind of world. And, you know, considering that you have so many warring factions in this current world, I think that the White Lotus makes complete sense. You know, it's a gathering of so many different kinds of people, you know, and it, it really doesn't, you know, discriminate between from what nation you are, what kind of person you are, or whatnot. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, in terms of, I think, Aang's part, I think that I'm of the same opinion as Corey that I, I started really being, like, I didn't like Aang's opinion, like, or his reactions towards the rest of the team, but the more you watch it, I think the, ma the more it makes sense, but I think we can get into that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, so... When talking about the White Lotus, because I guess you guys brought that up, and I'll just kind of give my, my general thoughts on it. I I like the White Lotus, but I like it in a very specific context. I completely reject, and unfortunately Lindsay isn't here to defend herself here, but like I completely reject any of the Grand Iroh conspiracy, any of the, like, the, the White Lotus is like the Illuminati and they're controlling things. I look at the White Lotus as, as a lot more of, like, really just a group of people who like Pai Show and... You know the secret society aspects it are, are are to some degree a little bit like almost like theater um but in reality these are just a bunch of people who like to get around and discuss philosophy over pie show and that's kind of what it seems like until until the very end and then you know the whole we have the, the taking bossing say plot in the finale um so i don't like i like the white lotus in that context specifically i think this episode is really important for Aang's character and for really understanding like why Appa is so important in this story because like yes he's their transportation but he's so much more than that and this is really getting to see what Aang's mental state is like when he's about to break um I, I love Sokka in this episode I think Sokka is absolutely on point um comedically and I think this episode does a good job of balancing the comedy at the right moments and having the really serious stuff at you know in the bookends um, that said, I mean, it's not, uh, you know, an amazing episode. It suffers a lot, though, I think, from just the fact that I don't really like the missing Appa plot start to finish. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of do have to wonder, like, if I took out Appa's Lost Days and just, like, completely removed that episode from my thoughts, I might be a little higher on this episode because I wouldn't have that, like, almost stain there. But I'm still, like, every time I see this, I'm like, oh, well, this is the start of the missing Appa plot. This is, like... Ugh, I don't like that arc. Um, so I, I do think that that does drag the episode down just a little bit. But there is a lot to um, a lot to love here. Um, actually, go ahead, Mitchell. No, I actually agree with that because, uh, well, I haven't rewatched all of season two recently, but I remember that the whole missing Appa part was not memorable. I think as an as an arc, I thought that was a little bit dragged on. But I do appreciate, you know, what it brings to the character development for this episode, at least. And I think that if you if you just take that, like, like this episode as a standalone, I think it's very important. Because it really does show a lot to, I think, not only Aang's, like, well, because when you really think about it, you know, Appa is pretty much his best friend from, you know, another time, right? He's the only, he's the only remnant 
of a different time where you know he used to be like a normal kid and you know and everyone in his life was still alive so i think that you know it really shows the the importance of appa and also i think that you know with the end you know how katara you know is there to be his you know i guess an emotional anchor i think it's also really important so i think all of those put together i think this episode makes it really important to solidify that yeah no i agree and i, I guess let's just let's jump right into ang's um, emotional state um as i kind of said in the intro i i think that what what really is the highlight of this episode for me is the fact that Appa and the, the animal guide in general of the Avatar is such an emotional, like, it's, it's the, the guide is more than just the means of Aang's transportation. Um, like, this is kind of the, the spiritual guide that Aang needs to have. We've seen, you know, the dragon leading Aang in the spirit world to, uh, to Roku during the, um, what was it, the solstice, either the, it was, I guess it was the solstice, and... Um, we see later on in Korra with, uh, Naga, we see, um, the, um, Wan's animal guide, and, like, we realize that the, the, the Avatar's animal guide is a lot more important than just transportation, and this is really getting to see, like, without Appa, Aang is completely lost, so out of character, like, he's angry, there are points when it seems like he has venom in his eyes, he's completely given up, he has no, like, he just has nothing for, so he's completely broken, and I think that's really important um, for showing that relationship. I, um, I personally, when I, when I first saw this, you know, a long time ago, and then I, I actually rewatched the show again a few years ago, I didn't like it. I thought it was completely out of character for Aang, and I thought the writers were just doing it as a means to put drama, like, you know, the unnecessarily, like, friction drama between the characters just you know to add to the weight of him getting kidnapped then i rewatched it you know today and and i really for the first time really loved it i i see right now that like appa to ang is uh, like it's literally a part of him as you said i think mark you kind of alluded yeah. to it like it's 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 literally hand in hand a part of his spirit and i think appa getting lost for the, i think this is the first time Aang has ever experienced something like this. It, him going off the edge and seeing this completely opposite side of Aang, which we quite frankly never see again in the show, was really, really refreshing and something that is really interesting to see. I mean, we saw a murderous Aang yeah. this episode. I think that was that was pretty intense. Yeah, we saw what. <laughs> the the murder the murderous ang you know like yes oh, yeah. well, like he he actually like took out all of his yeah. anger on you know a living being even oh, though yeah. it was you know a death mosquito but you know no still yeah we'll talk about that scene when we get there given um, given ang you know the vegetarian the i don't want to hurt anybody that's actually still pretty significant yeah. oh yeah it, de it definitely is um, I think even if we don't read into the spirit animal thing as much, um, it still makes a lot of sense if you just... It, obviously, like, we know how important spirit animals are because we embody people that have seen both series, or at least know what happens through both series. Um, but even if you don't interpret it that way, Appa's still, like, Aang's only remnant from the world before he was frozen. And the only yeah. one that was constantly with him. Yeah. It also so, shows that he's capable of more than, you know, like, 
it shows the range of his emotions too, right? That even though he, like like Charles said, he's a pacifist by nature, doesn't mean that he can't, you know, like get, you know, have, you know, very violent tendencies as well. Well, obviously he was pushed to it, but you know, it shows that not of not a. Well, I guess in a way it shows that he's not perfect. Well, I I guess we all knew that, but you know that even then his morals can be compromised in a way. I don't even think it's so much morals as it is just like. The fact that Aang well, his it, code. It just completely changes everything about him, and he's um, he just he just becomes a different person. Well, he drops his priorities, right? Because for them, for, to him, I don't think any of it ends up mattering at that point. Because I think he even drops his own identity. Like, yeah, I, he drops I think his own identity. He just completely like he loses like he loses so much of himself. And you know, we we talked about yeah, like not only is Appa his only connection to his past life, Appa is really also his only connection to like air like being an airbender like it's it's because you know the, the bison yeah. are, are so like yeah. fundamental to the airbender experience um so you got like you kind of have to some degree like this is like almost ang shedding his airbender identity which mm-hmm. is the shedding the pacifist vegetarian side of him well we can I, I at the same time though i think that you have to give a little bit of you know like the their everyone's reactions in this episode due to the fact that they're stuck in a desert with no food and no water and no well in the beginning no Some realistic water. well and yeah no no realistic means of getting out because they have no idea where they are right so you know i think that that also affects a lot you know how the characters would be reacting you know besides the fact that ang you know just went through what you could call emotional trauma you know his you know his in theory best friend is gone yeah um, all right, so we're going to switch gears a little bit because Iroh and, and Zuko are in this episode as well. Um, one, I completely forgot the Rough Rhinos were in this episode. Like, I remembered <laughs> the scene. I had no idea that it was in this episode. And I saw them, I'm like, oh my god, it's the Rough Rhinos. Um, Iroh is in rare form. I love Iroh's, like, you know, you know these the old friends. And, and, you know, he goes through each of them. And, you know, they're, they're a very capable singing group. I he just—he was in really good form this time, and also, he was, we also got to see a little bit of Iroh badassness. Like he just kind of fucking wrecked them. Yeah. Good old Iroh. There's there's nothing. <laughs> yeah. There's no other way to put it. You know, it's just just Iroh thinks. Only he can be. We're here to arrest you. Anyone like some tea? I'd love some. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> It's it's a fun scene, certainly. Now, I personally, I think cactus juice is one of, if not the funniest thing in this entire series. I I, I laugh so hard consistently when I see Sokka on cactus juice. Um, <laughs> the, the the cactus juice it'll quench you. Nothing's quenchier. It's the quenchiest. Like it just, I don't know. Seeing high Sokka is so funny to me. Why? Does cactus juice really get you high? Because a lot of cartoons use that as a trope. I'm pretty sure cactus juice actually poisons you. Yeah, that's well, what I'm saying. I think, I, I, think, I, think it de- I think it depends on the cactus. They did, I, I know that they... some of it is actually drinkable. I have no idea. Don't take my word for it. Well, it's no, I'm pretty sure you're right. It's, it's I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. What? Cactuses just store water and that's it. It's, that's it. That's what cactuses are. Yeah, I mean, maybe some evolved to 
like a point where their own chemicals make it toxic like the cactus part of it is not survival training how to extract water from a cactus it it could in theory be you know like a defense mechanism for the cactus we we could get into this conversation Uh, actually i have the answer um you yes the answer is yes you do get uh high as you would off thc off cactus juice yes oh okay well then But today I learned. It's like mushrooms. People are saying, "Wow, look at that!" Oh. Wow, today uh-huh. I learned. Maybe I should go grow my own cactus. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Uh, you were saying. You do <laughs> not live anywhere near the desert, Mitchell. <laughs> that doesn't mean he couldn't growing. grow a cactus. <laughs> exactly. Um, as an aside, was Toph kind of hinting that she wanted to get high too? There was no hinting. That was pretty overt. Or just overt. Yeah. Was, was Toph just like? Can I get high with Sokka too? Because I feel like Toph and Sokka would so get high together. Hell yes. A hundred percent. That was yeah. what was and going I would, on. That'd be a great spinoff show. Like, instead of, like, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, get, like, Toph and Sokka's ex- Excellent Adventure. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would, I would watch the shit out of that. I, I, w- I would pay for that. I mean, every Avatar fan is, like, grown up now, so they can start doing some mature stuff with the, uh, the source material. Well, yeah. Well, let's not get into that. Um, I mean, kind of. I mean, Korra was a lot more mature. Yeah. On a more... Switch, you know, on, a, on a more, like, I say serious, but, like, actually serious note, the desert continues to look absolutely incredible. Like oh, I good really, show. I, yeah, I really like that scene. You know, <laughs> where it, it. I really like that scene where it highlights the, the 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 shadows, right? Where you get the yeah. Like, once that, it gets some at shot. night or twilight. Yeah, I really like that scene. It's a good show. Yeah. The art, the art is 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 really really good in this in this episode in general, and I think it really captures like how like desolate and how like it, it looks like they're completely screwed. Like it just looks like this never ending desert. Mm-hmm. Also, I'd be I would be remiss without mentioning giant mushroom. Maybe <laughs> it's friendly. <laughs> but with uh, that, um, we did see the first moment of Ang actually reacting violently. Like he just you know screams and slams his uh, you know his staff into the ground, um, which is a pretty like you don't see Ang. I mean, obviously we're gonna see a much more like vivid version of it later. But like this is kind of that first like yeah, Ang's really starting to lose control and. We don't see that. I mean, to be fair, we have seen Aang lose control in uh, prior episodes, but this is... We've really only seen it like this twice, the two times he ended up in the Avatar state. I yeah, felt, I was I felt... going to say, this is significant because he yeah. doesn't go into that. Yeah, I felt um, bad for Toph, though, this yeah. episode. I felt really bad for it because it wasn't exactly her fault. You know, well... Yeah, it really wasn't, wasn't her at all. Her I would ar- fault, I would right? argue it wasn't her fault at all. Yeah, it wasn't her fault at all. What and, was she supposed to do? Know, yeah, what was yeah. she gonna do? I yeah. mean, and, and and that's why, right? At the beginning, you know, like you know that it's not her fault, but Aang is still lashing out at her regardless, which is why you know well, I said, lash- he's lashing out at everybody. Well, well, he's lashing out at everybody, but I think that you know, especially in the beginning, he like specifically blames her. So I think that's why you know at first I was yeah. like, you know, stop being so childish. You know, it's clearly not her fault. But then you, the more you watch into the episode, the more you understand, you know. I guess in a way, the, the more you, he's yeah, he's not really reacting. thinking and he's just reacting, and it it really does show like it really does show the importance 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so what do you guys think about, because obviously this is, I mean, we've seen it a bunch, but this is probably the most, like, iconic moment of, like, Katara full-on stepping up and taking charge and sort of saying, like, okay, we're getting out of here, everyone follow, go. Um, do you guys, I, I really like Katara in this role. Do you guys like that, or do you guys find her annoying? No, I think that it makes sense. She's always been the responsible one. And, you know, her being the one who's only, the only one who's clear-headed makes a lot of sense, actually. Clear-headed. Clear-headed. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like how Katara oh, acts this episode, because she easily could have, like, been other form of Katara and just actually start lashing back out at Aang, but I think she keeps a level head uh, for most of the time, and I would have been very angry if she started taking everything, like, Aang was doing personally. Yeah, so, I, I actually thought I, I that she was... T- what? I actually, because I haven't watched it in a long time, but I, I thought that she would completely lash out at him, you know, like lash back, you know, and just like retort to Aang being, you know, a whiny, a whiny little prick. But, you and know, that, the and fact that, that she did you know, Even on, on Toph's side, Toph handled it very well. Like, mm-hmm. I have, like, you got, like I, obviously, because you probably felt very guilty still, but Toph's not the type of person that would, you know, being screamed at and not, you know, try to defend herself. I, yeah. I think for, for Toph specifically, the fact that they're somewhat stranded really plays a pretty major role um, because it, it just kind of puts everyone down. For Katara, I'm not really surprised at all, though, because I think that Katara has shown that, like, she is at her best under crisis. Like, she's, yes, she will lash out. We saw her lash out back in the chase, but that was, like, it really wasn't that bad a situation. Like, things were kind of okay. They were tired. This was kind of the... Katara, like, kind of being in that position because we've we've debated a lot, I guess, on this show, and we've seen throughout the show a lot of like the who is the leader of the group, how like what is the group dynamic, and I think that on some level, Aang has always had a certain degree of well, he is the Avatar, so he is kind of the one in charge ish, and I think that seeing um, Katara, um, like Katara, this like I feel like this is kind of similar to her like losing her parents and being like, okay, it's time to step up. It's time to keep this thing going. And I really love the ex- exchange when Aang is, like, Aang starts lashing out at her and she just kind of, like, very, like, in a very somber way is, like, I'm trying to keep, like, keep this from falling apart. Like, it was such a sad, like, such a sad moment and such a moment of, like, you can, you can see even Katara, the person that you, like, obviously Aang is, like, usually the most, you know, level-headed. Believe- yeah, yeah, like definitely the least short with is even like even going after her, and like you can just see how how much this has affected her. Well, I think that in a way you can you can say that Katara is. I don't want to say wise one, but you know, I guess that's the that's one way to put it. She's the one who always stays calm and collected. That doesn't make her the leader, I think, but I do think that it you know it shows that. She is the one who, regardless of situation, will always be, you know, will make, will keep, you know, cool-headed and will try to figure the best way out of the situation. I think this was For a good example part. of that. But espe- especially well, when it's obviously. emotional like this. Yeah. Like, this is where Katara, I think, is at her, at her best. Is kind of the, we need to accomplish something, let's go. You know, mm-hmm. like, and each of them kind of has their role. Like, we're going to, I mean, we don't, we're really going to see it a lot next, or the next in two episodes with Sokka, like, Sokka is the idea guy. He's the, we need a plan. We need, like, a, you know, intricate way to do things. Um, 
And for Katara, like, this is kind of her, like, keeping the family together. Mm-hmm. She's the mom. Well, yes, she is. <laughs> that, that There we go. Katara's the mom. All right. So let's – I guess we can get into – I mean, we, we kind of talked a little bit about me in the intro, but I guess we can kind of have the full White Lotus discussion here um, once – Zuko and, and Iroh go in and, and, and Iroh plays the game. So, Corey, why don't you lay out why you don't like the White Lotus and then we can discuss it. Because I just can't buy the fact that in a right now in Avatar The Last Airbender where the Fire Nation is doing what the Fire Nation is do doing and, you know, like, that the White Lotus would... It, it just doesn't make sense. I don't like the idea of Illuminati, period. Just like well, whole, I, don't I don't think that they'd all I don't the think Illuminati. They, I don't think they are the Illuminati, though. I think they are the they are a secret society of intellectuals that dictate events in the Avatar universe. Do you, I don't think they dictate any events until the very end. I think well, they are exclusively a bunch of old men who like to get drunk and play pie shop. I don't. I don't that, think. I mean, maybe well, earlier okay, on, but I, go on. Sorry. I think. I think we have to go in the middle ground here. I think that. While they do like to gather around and talk about Paisho, I think that there certainly is a political reasoning behind this gathering of people because, I mean, I wouldn't call them the Illuminati as in they're shaping events because I think that, especially regarding the Fire Nation, I don't think the Fire Lord really cares about what anyone else thinks, you know, or, you know, that's the kind of, that's the kind of vibe I get from him anyways. So I think that they're a group of people that are concerned about the you know, matter of state, and in a way, they're maybe trying to maintain a certain status quo. You know, regard you know, considering I, I the situation that they're true. living in. I don't even think that's true. I mean, specifically when we we see them again in the finale, um, Paku says like, traditionally the White Lotus was about beauty and philosophy. Like, I really think that this is just kind of like a group of people who appreciate a like who would obviously play this game pie show but like who basically sit around and talk about philosophy and it's like a philosophical organization and in the end it ends up transforming into something different with the white lotus you know when, when they go after bossing say and then obviously we get into core and we see like the the sort of outgrowth of things once they've kind of the white lotus turns from a secret society into like kind of the avatars you know almost uh, not military wing, but like personal like that's army. That's my point. Like they've like I would accept the fact if they were what they originally were, just like an ancient sect of people that like shared knowledge and played a pie show. But that's not what they become. It's almost like knowing that we're going into Appa's lost days. That's why you don't really enjoy like these episodes because you know you're going into something bad. I think they lose their footing with the White Lotus. I mean, you're. But here's the so, thing, and I don't want to get Cody into Corey here, but like. There's a pretty clear response to that. There's a sect of the White Lotus that says, no, F this. We're not doing this. We're going to go leave and form our own thing. And there you go. There's book three of Korra. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I agree that I think the White Lotus and Korra is, is kind of disappointing and kind of like, wow, these guys became like pretty – like, they're basically glorified bodyguards for the Avatar and, like, the Avatar's family. And I think, yeah, that's a little bit ridiculous. But, yeah, some people in the White Lotus agree with that. I think that's the point. Yeah, but even with uh, uh, what happened at uh, 
you know, the liberation of Ba Sing Se. Like, I think that's also goes against what they stand for. I think if well, I, I, and like I just I understand why they would need to be like secret since you know they're going. Well, I think that you can say, you can make the argument and everything, but at the exact same time, it's just like it just I don't think these people that are more or less like just philosophical uh, like uh, philosophers and like uh, intellectuals should have an impact on political things that happen but but i think that that's just it i think that the decision to liberate bossing say is the was, thing that fundamentally changed the white lotus and i think i, ac- I actually a, agree with mark on this i think such that a was fundamental turning, difference and i think that was maybe you don't point. like the direction that the white lotus went after they took bossing say and i kind of agree with you i think that that's like a fair criticism but I think that that's not the organization that we're seeing right now. And I think that the, I would agree with you if then there was no backlash to it within the actual narrative of the show. If it was like, oh, the White Lotus just becomes this bodyguards for the Avatar and everyone's like, oh, that's cool. Like, but that's not what happens. Like, that happens. The, 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 they make this decision to go after and go into Ba Sing Se. And then not that long after, the it seems like this red lotus sect comes out and says no 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 this is not what the white lotus is we're going to we're going to fight against this and then the red lotus obviously kind of splinters and becomes this whole um you know kind of turns into a terrorist wing but obviously there are people who did not agree with that decision that's where we get zahir and i think that that's like i i think to some degree your criticism is baked into the actual narrative and which is why i'm like oh well then maybe it's not a criticism it's more like well that's what they were going for uh maybe i i think i think what they originally was going for like i first i just again it's it's my fault and i think i could be blamed most for this i just don't like the idea of secret societies that are like pretty influential especially in something like avatar where i i I really think politics and and literally, like, the Fire Lord and, like, what's actually going on should be it. There shouldn't be any behind-the-scenes things. I, I agree with you. I just because don't you know why, think Mark, that's too? what they are. Because narratively, they, like, behind-the-scenes things like, like this are, like, deus ex machina ways of getting out of things, too, in my opinion. I, 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 agree. I agree with that point. I just don't think that that's what this is. I, I, re- like, I really think Either. that the... I mean, I think that you're right. I think that the White Lotus's appearance in the finale is a little convenient and, like, kind of an ex- Like, I do kind of smell a little bit of, like, we wanted to bring all of these characters back. Let's make them a part of the White Lotus because that's an easy way to do it and we'll leave a, little, a few clues throughout. And I, I, you're, I think that that's not... I think that's a fair thing to say. I just think in this episode in particular, the way the White Lotus functions <laughs> seems pretty reasonable to me. Like, these are just... They're, what they do, they got them passports and, and sent them to Ba Sing Se. Like, that's not changing world events. That's just, like, it's not that hard to get some passports because these well, are Well, they're probably just people. helping out. They're just helping out people, right? Or, well, yeah. people within their own society, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Oh. Huh. So it's like a frat house that only has old people in it. I, yeah, I think it's like I really think that they're like getting really drunk and, and playing Pai Shao. Like I think I that's think, the majority of White Lotus movies. I think that's a reasonable assessment. All right, we will we will come back because we we will talk about the White Lotus further as um, as we get into this. But I want to I don't want to get too bogged down in that um, throughout all of this. 
Um, just another soccer line. I have to. I have to go with the the cloud. And when they say, "Oh, it's Appa," and it's soccer response. Why would Princess Yui mean that? She's the moon. She flies by herself. Like he was so funny in this episode. Hey, get high off cactus juice. Yeah, man. <laughs> I guess we'll yeah. all be we funny. Should, so we should all try it out sometime. Yeah. Okay. Well, it is our thirtieth episode after all. Um. So do you guys think – so I honestly think that – like thinking about this, I think this is probably the best emotional episode for Aang since the storm. Um, like I, th- I think that this is like – I don't think the overall episode is on, 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 on par, but I think that Aang's – purely Aang's emotional state is on par with the way he was in the storm. And we do see a little bit of like – that's actually – I'm thinking about it. Like that's actually another time we do see a little bit of like Aang getting violent when he um, you know slams the air into the, into the fire – um, after uh, thinking about how they wanted to take um, Kiazo away from him. And it's kind of a similar setup here where it's like Kiazo was his mentor and he felt like he was losing Kiazo. And in this case, he thinks he's losing Aunt, um, Appa. Yeah. Well, he did lose Appa technically, but... Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. He thinks he's losing Appa forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, especially here, it's really pertinent how you can see the obvious, like relief and joy when he thinks uh, the cloud is Appa and then once he realizes the cloud it like completely gets reversed yeah from and you he, know disappointment he even, he even gets angry that because Katara's like oh it's a cloud we can get water out of this like Katara's like this is actually really helpful and, and Aang almost like gives her this like venom look of like don't be excited about this this isn't Appa like it's you can really see it in his eyes yeah mm-hmm. no I agree with that you know what I like too? I like how when uh, in in uh, the storm, I think. Wait, what was uh, the Southern Air Temple? Is that that's where we really see it? It was episode. Yeah, it was the Southern Air Temple, right? Southern Air Temple is when they go and and he sees he finds uh, out Kiyatso's that bones. Yeah, that's it. So in that, he gets sad and he gets like he gets hopeless and he gets like despair and you know that those types of negative emotions. But that. I would argue until he turns into the Avatar state doesn't change who he is. This losing Appa literally is like losing like your spiritual anchor. Like it's so. That's why I'm really digging this because I, I that's why I'm saying also Appa is a part of him because you're losing a part of who you are. So anger and just pure rage is like the perfect emotion for him to feel right now, and it it, it contrasts to how he felt when he was devastated the first time. Yeah, definitely. So Mitchell, I have, I have a question for you. Does, does, does your flower shop have a back room like that? <laughs> no, it does not. You don't have it a flowers-only room? A flowers-only room? Well, we have a flowers-only storage. Does that count? So it does have a room like that. Yes, yeah, so it does. <laughs> I guess do you it hold does. secret meetings and play yes. Go and get high? Clearly, that that's exactly what we do. Or mahjong, either one. Yeah. Clearly, and you know, there's just like a random embedded, you know, flower symbol in the in the in the ground. Yeah, of course. Yeah, obviously. Don't you have did, one? Did anyone else like uh, Toff's uh, solid ground angel? <laughs> I did. I thought that was pretty amusing. <laughs> just like solid ground makes a snow angel, but out of the earth. Very yeah, tough. That was pretty funny. <laughs> Very tough. 
That said, what the fuck are you doing, Sokka? Why are you eating sludge off the wall? <laughs> well, you, you could say he's still not really right in his mind at that uh, point. You can feel the I think the effect of the cactus juice wearing off. Oh, look at this. Yum. Oh, I feel woozy. <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking there, but that was that was something. Uh, that was, that was. So, we, we talked a little bit about Aang um, going after the, I don't know, what we call this like a hornet bird. Hornet's a, nest. Yes. All right. Is that a bird? No, like the... It's not a bird. No, it's a it's a buzzard wasp. Oh yeah, that's it's a buzzard wasp. You're right, buzzard wasp. I mean, that's um, pretty close. <laughs> no, yeah, that's that's he's right. It's exactly what it is. Um, I really like though that Ang's like incredible reaction, like when he finally like really loses it and and goes for it, is when it's saving Momo because it's kind of like another. Am I going to lose a second one of my friends? Like, am I going to lose something else? And uh, even more than that, I think it's even like it, it becomes even punctuated even more the fact that he's already saved Momo and then he still goes for it and like it's purely out of revenge. And I think that that's like a very nice touch because if it was just oh he shoots the air blast at it and he uses that to save Momo, then it's like all right, well he saved his friend. It wasn't like he was that over the top, but like he has no reason to go after this thing and he just straight up kills another living creature out of revenge. And yeah, brutal, like man. that is just like so dark for this character, for this character who we know like values life in like in such a such a tangible way. I actually kind yeah. of I'm kind of upset this never comes back to haunt him. I mean, of course not, I guess you could also say, but this you know, this at this point was like a point of no return moment and I'm sad there's no consequences. I actually would have I been mean, interested. There if kind they... of is. This gets referenced pretty hard in um, in the Guru, as uh, his re- one of his regrets. Ah, uh, yeah, yep, yep. I forgot. You're right. And I that's mean, some, some recollection of the episode. <laughs> yeah, that Damn. is. Which chakra point about is that show. from? It's the one that's blocked by regret. Oh, okay. But even more, and also, I mean, I I don't I'm not turning this into a I don't want to talk about like bashing the finale because I'm not getting into that. But on some level, the finale is also set up as like this should Ang kill, and we like the fact that we do see a little bit of like Ang can be pushed in that direction, like if he's pushed far enough. Like I do think that that's also kind of important. If if they were gonna go full on full bore with the moral choice of should Ang kill. Um, this is actually, I think, a very important thing to have because it shows that, like, it's not like Aang is, like, completely incapable whatsoever of killing. It's just that when Aang is thinking rationally, he can't do it. Mm. I don't know what you're talking about. Aang's killed a lot of people already. Yes, he's he gone has. over this several times. He's thrown Although, over more for those either. There is, a, there is a theory that the Avatar world is a lot smaller and therefore there's a lot less gravity and that's no, no, no. why what? <laughs> characters can take more punishment. Oh I, I can I can roll with that, but considering how high a mountain would still be, I'm pretty sure you'd still be dead unless this you thing... You would. You would. He still kills hundreds of people in the Northern Air Temple. I can't but... believe that's actually a thing. 
that people believe. <laughs> well, the Avatar world people, is small. There is people, no way around it. Well, wait, wait. How fights, do we know? We we, we know. because we know small. how long it takes to travel from the North and South Pole, and it's nowhere near as long as it should be if this was the real, the actual Earth. Okay, well, it, I don't think it can compare to the actual Earth, considering that it's divided into four kingdoms. So yes, it could be no, smaller, no, no, but. but North and South Pole are just geographical landmarks. Like the North Pole yeah. is the top of the Earth. The South Pole is the you know, I mean, top and bottom don't really mean anything in a spear floating in space. But like you can define land... them as two points opposite each other in the circumference of a sphere. And we know that this is a world with North and South. We saw a compass in this episode. So like, mm. I mean, it, it is. I do think that it makes some degree of sense that the the actual world is. I think pretty clearly smaller than our world. The question, I mean, does it actually affect the gravity, and is that actually into the show? Probably not, I'm just saying. Well, no, I don't, but, I, like, again... I don't really know how much you can go into the science behind this, considering that people literally bend elements in the show. So, yes, I'm, just gonna, I'm just gonna put that out there. I know, I'm just, I'm just saying that, that that is a theory. I'm, I'm acknowledging that there will be some people who believe this. Fair enough. It's just a game theory? <sighs> oh, God. I guess shout out to game theory. <laughs> or film theory, since this is a show. Fair enough. Hey, Matt Pat, come on the show. <laughs> Tell us exactly how big the Avatar world is, then we can figure out what the gravitational pull would be, and figure out if Aang killed people by knocking them off the mountain. Alright, I'll tweet that at him after this. Um, <laughs> Alright, let's... Get, getting back on track, um... The last little bit of, of Zuko and Iroh, um, we get their decision to head to Boston and say, I think it makes perfect sense. Um, I do like the subtle reference to the refugee crisis of, like, the city is filled with refugees. No one will notice two more. Um, that being said, it is kind of a dangerous thing to think about in contemporary politics of, like, oh, yeah, these people are just going to sneak in with refugees. And theoretically, Zuko does bring down the city. So disclaimer, I do not believe this is actually, like, something we should worry about as the United States government. But You don't? You know. I'd be no. concerned. That, that Zuko and Iroh are coming in? <laughs> that, I mean, you, it still brings up the point, right, that you would need to, like, you, you can't just accept everybody wholeheartedly, like, openly, without any kind of... Vetting? I'm, yeah, I mean... I thought there was vetting, though, to get into Bossing Se. There is, but it's kind of just do you have a path? The thing, the, the difference is though, and the reason this is actually a very functionally different thing is that they're accepting citizens of the Earth Kingdom, and yeah. all you need is an Earth Kingdom passport to get in. So this would be like New York City accepting people from Denver, as opposed to the U.S. accepting people from Syria, because they're not the same country. So yeah, because I think I thought that that was the that was the logic behind it. You know, if you're just you know another Earth Earth Kingdom citizen, then you know that's fine. Obviously, yeah. you know, clearly it was not fine, but it was pretty not fine. They, they pretty, admitted yeah. uh, the person that brought down the city and the person that almost brought down the city. Kind of silly, guys. No, it's it's pretty bad. <laughs> there was and should. should should probably fire the person who should probably fire the person who let them in. You mean that woman, the, the cranky old woman who who Iro hits on? <laughs> hey, there is obviously some uh, subjective motivation going on there. 
as a connection. We'll talk about that next week, though. Um, Um, You're right, though. It is a pretty politically potent point, especially now. Um, uh, And we said it before, we'll say it again. Avatar does a fantastic job of bringing up some harsh realities that you wouldn't expect uh, a show marketed as a children's show to do. Um, Mm -hmm. But... Well, I guess, as you just said, next week we'll really see, like, just how serious the situation is. Yes, yes, we will. Um, And now we switch over to, where we switch back to the final scene with with the showdown with the tribe of Sandmenders. One weird thing, not weird, but, like, I really like the chief's voice. There's something about his voice that fit really well with, like, the chief of the Sandmenders. I don't know why. Like, I can't put my finger on why, but I really like it. Did he sound very chief-like? I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I really liked his voice. Mm, fair enough. Um, and, and obviously we, we, we see Aang's temper flaring completely and, and, and finally losing control. Um, I've always loved, you know, going off voices, I've always loved Aang's, the voice they give Aang there for, for when he screams, tell me where Appa is, and you have that, like, um, like oh, godly the... voice of the Avatar yeah. state. Oh, the overlapped one? Yeah, it's, yeah, that it's pretty, pretty cool. awesome. Um, it just it just sounds so terrifying, and you're seeing him, like, just blow up these sand ships, and, you know, he's completely out of control. Um, and, like, it's fine. And the, the fact that the, the the final thing that pushes him over the top is the, um, like, you, the line of, you, you know, muzzling, like, putting a muzzle on Appa. And, like, almost, for me, like, there's almost something very resonant of, like, a muzzle is something that restricts freedom like it restricts like it would certainly like restrict Appa's freedom and being an airbender himself Appa and being Aang an airbender there's something about like putting chains on and putting restrictions on Appa that would be even more like shocking to him yeah I yeah. can see that I mean uh, I think it's pretty clear that that part is significant because he gets even more angry upon hearing that yeah it's not just the capture it's that uh, there's definitely some like external implication and i think you're right in saying that um to ang it's like a symbol of abba not being free not being you know not having the freedom that airbenders so highly uh prize mm-hmm uh, and then everyone runs away, but Katara stays in to, to bring Bang, you know, kind of bring Aang back down. Um, I, I just, I, I really enjoyed that moment. Um, I mean, I, I obviously I enjoyed it a little bit as a, a shipping moment for just like how much you can see Katara caring about Aang. But even more than that, I think that it's just very clear that Katara is the per- like is someone who is able to stand through. Um, this and obviously it's similar to to what we saw during Southern Air Temple, where she is like someone who sees her friend in this immense amount of pain and is just going to step in and and do what she can to to bring him down. Um, and the little tears at the end um, helped a lot. Yeah, I think that for me this was the the selling point for Katar at least because you know it was in a way it just like she I think I mean. She just, you know, like, she, she stole this episode, in my opinion, you know, like, she did everything that she could have, and I think that, you know, especially in the end, it was a very, it was very powerful, 
you know what she did because she was the only one who I think really understood what Aang was going through at that moment so I think that was great yeah and I also really love that they end like there's no real resolution on this episode that it's just Aang comes down from being the Avatar state that's the end of the episode that we kind of hit climax and then end immediately I think that really fits the episode itself and also um kind of this whole like the little arc that we're in right here like there, there is no re- we haven't hit a resolution like things are not okay now that ang is like not in the avatar state about to kill people like he's still in a very bad dark place but we've at least come down from this one moment and i think that there's something really brilliant about ending the story right now and not having like a they leave the desert uh as like a little like bookend like i feel like other episodes would have ended on like okay ang comes down and then they get escorted out of the desert and it's like okay bye like no 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 we just end right here cliffhangers man cliffhangers i think it's actually better that they end like here on this such a strong emotional note than like putting you know contrived short uh resolution in this is much more powerful than you know doing something like that. I, yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree. I love, I absolutely love the ending. Ending. Um, it's, it's like kind of funny. Like, I guess this is obviously just an Avatar thing, and we we've seen it all the time. But like, it's so funny how this very ending that we see, where like, Aang like collapses in Katara's arms, is like the same episode where we we saw, you know, Sokka tripping balls. Yeah. <laughs> I think that this is, is a very well balanced episode comedically that is true. and then to the strong emotional stuff. I can't remember is is there any other episode you can remember that ends like this abruptly? Because uh, uh, I feel like a lot of episodes either end on like a teaser for next week. Like next episode we know like it ends with Oh, they're through the Serpent's Pass, Aang goes to the drill, sees the drill. Like, that's the ending of the episode. It's more of a teaser for the next week. And then we have some episodes that kind of, like, end on a comedic high after an emotional episode. I feel like I I cannot put my finger on an episode that ends, other than, like, a few two-parters, which are obviously, like, going into the next episode, that, like, ends, like, like, almost abruptly, like, climax ending. I don't know. I have to think about oh, that. How did Northern Southern Air Temple end? Southern Air Temple ended with them flying away. Hmm. And I think that Southern Air Temple ends like I think that there's a conversation in the like either in the air or right before they leave, after Aang coming down. I don't know. I I have to think about that a little bit. Um, if I, if I, if I can think of something else, maybe I'll bring it up next week, but I just, I, I think this ending is, is really perfect for this episode and I, and I really enjoy it. Yeah, I think so. I think it was very well complimented. Well, in a, you know, for the episode, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how, how else to put it. Yeah. So with that, we are going to wrap things up and move into our final thoughts and our ratings. So, Charles, you started us off with initial thoughts, so why don't you 
start us off with your final thoughts and your rating for this episode. Uh, I, I think we all said pretty consistent things, other than um, some pretty varied interpretations in the White Lotus. Uh, honestly, I think we all generally had the same opinion of the episode. Um, Aang's emotional state is fitting for what's just happened, but it's it is a little... I, and it makes sense. It's just significantly different from normal. Um, Sokka's really funny when he's high as hell. Uh, Iroh and Zuko, their part's fine. Uh, the Rough Rhino scene is short, nice, compact. Um, the White Lotus... It <laughs> well, it depends on your interpretation. You might like it or dislike it. Although it's like it's a good episode, but it's, it wasn't it wasn't anything special. There wasn't other than like the ending, um, which is actually kind of surprising in hindsight. Um, that like just how sharp of an emotional a conclusion it is. I don't think there were a lot of like parts of the episode that stood out. Like, before rewatching this, this is honestly an episode that I vaguely remembered happening but couldn't put any of the significant details into. Like, I, I thought, I think Corey said this at the beginning, I thought, or Mark, one of you two, I, I thought, like, a lot of these scenes were from other episodes around this one, and I just couldn't remember them being here. So, I, I have to give it, like, a, a seven and a half. It's solid. It's better than average TV, certainly, but it's just not great per Avatar standards. All right. How about you, Corey? Um, it has its ups. It has its downs. Um, I really, for the first time again in my life, really enjoyed the Ang stuff. Um, I thought Ang was phenomenal in this episode, and the ending scene was extremely powerful. The funny stuff hit. It's not like the funny stuff annoyed me. The funny stuff did actually hit. Um, I'm not going to duck points just because I dislike the White Lotus from this episode. That's not going to hurt it at all. But, you know, I just wanted to make myself clear. So, you know, when the dust settles, I think this episode gets a solid 7 for me. Okay. Mitchell? Mm. I think for me, overall, it was... I guess and I have to agree it was it was a solid episode. I personally really like the development behind it and you know I think that it really showed a lot of depth towards these characters. Well, you know it 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 creates more depth towards these characters, but well, I think in the overall grand grand sense of the show, I think it's, you know, it's okay, I guess is the best way to put it. So, you know, with with that in mind, my score is probably seven and a half as well. Okay, I think we're all going to be kind of right around the same place. Um, to me, this is probably the 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 first episode that I think is most hurt by the thoughts from Aunt Wu style of this. That we are we're kind of rating this based on everything and not looking at the episode individually. I think individually, this episode is very very solid, and I think that there are some really like really good highs with with Aang's emotional state and the ending is 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 really quite phenomenal um unfortunately this episode is just so hampered by i'm just not into the, the missing appa plot and 
I, you just can't get away from it. You can't get away that this is my least favorite plot in the entirety of this series. And unfortunately, that's going to bring the episode down. So once, kind of in the same way, once the dust settles, I think this is a 7.5. I think this is a very good episode. Um, and if you took out my feelings about the rest of the of the book, I think this would be like somewhere in the 8.5, 8.6 range. But I, I really hold, unfortunately, hold a lot against how much I don't like the missing off a plot. So thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you to Mitchell for coming in all the way from Brazil to be on the show. Always he, a pleasure. He flew in. He I did. flew in. He's, yes, he's he actually did. physically here in the U.S. right yes. now. You would be surprised. Thank you to Charles and Corey for being on. We always appreciate you guys. Um, I just want to add one thing. I'm not about this yep. episode, but for yep. Avatar fans, and I'm going to link this to Mark in chat right now, and Mark is yep. going to tweet it. There's <laughs> this device that someone made that it's under I posted that. Wait, is it where every time he punches, fire comes out? Yes. Yeah, I, heard, I, I already did. tweeted that. Yeah, that's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Yes, oh, that is awesome. Yes. You think I could bring it to a convention and not get arrested? No, you would you get would, arrested. You would Damn most it. certainly get arrested. I mean, you might not get arrested, but they wouldn't let you bring it in or oh, close there, there to the area. <laughs> Sorry. However, you can follow all things Antwu at thoughtsfromantwu.com, our website. You can see our Avatar content, our Hearthstone content. Our Game of Thrones content, check out our Game of Thrones show, The Crossroads Inn. That is Mondays at 8.30. You can see that at twitch.tv slash Boo Radley, where the three, where the uh, L3Y is it. I will, that is, you can see that all of us. You can also see us on YouTube. You can see the, 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 the Crossroads Inn, um, which will be posted the day after. Um, that's where we react to the Game of Thrones episode. Very similar to this, except we don't know the future, but we do the kind of same deep dives. We rate the episodes on the same scale. So if you're a Game of Thrones fan, definitely check that out. Um, a whole bunch of cards were announced uh, in the last week, so there'll be a Game of Thrones, or there'll be a Hearthstone episode some point soon. Um, Oof, are you gonna ready? Bash, we're going to bash some more cards. <laughs> um, well, come on! Eight mana, play five secrets. Let's go. Oh, yeah. What about, money. Money. about the, we're what about the Ben Broad rap? Right now. No, but it. think about it. You can get it on no, Glyph, so later. it's a six mana we'll, card. It's so we'll, good. It's not. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> However, with that, we are out. We will see you guys next week.